Hello, and welcome to Ask the Teacher ABC. I am so excited to be back with you. Um, how's it going over there in Arizona? Hi from Arizona. It's all going well. It's a little bit hotter today, but we're hanging in there. So thanks for asking. Awesome. So today um, we're going to be talking about how to get your kids to read, how to get your students to read. Um, now you are a reading specialist, correct? Correct. So how, what, what is, so first of all, we know obviously that it's important that kids are reading every single day. Um, we know that kids should be reading, everyone should be reading 15 minutes a day. So how do you get kids interested in books though? And of course I have my own opinions on this, but I want to hear your opinions first as the reading specialist. Okay. Well, thank you for that question. You know, I read a book called Teach Like Your Hair's on Fire by Rafe Esquith. And there was a part in that, uh, there was a chapter in the book that talked about how to choose books for your kids, because as adults, we know what books are good for kids. And he compared it to um, like books are like food. You know, you have your junk food and it's good to eat that now and then. And then you have your healthy food. And so your junk food is kind of like those books that are more like, um, you know, about bunnies and uh, fantastical creatures, maybe here and there. Or you could read like a book of literature, something that has maybe like a Newberry medal, like Bud Not Buddy, for example. So, um, you know, whenever I would talk to kids about books, I would make that analogy. And that's something that they could connect with. I would always find a book like something from Roald Dahl, like The Witches, and I would read just enough, but stop and then say, hey, um, you guys don't really want to hear this. And that would make them want to listen to it more. So it was sort of kind of like a play. I would play a game at the beginning of the year just to kind of tease kids and kind of make them want to lean in in order to want to read. Um, so from there, um, I always just made it part of my procedure that whenever we go to the library, I'm picking out the books. And I would like to pick out I like to always pick out books that, you know, kind of in the junk food category every now and then, but also in the good food slash Newberry metal um, category as well. So I would give them a little bit of each. And, you know, even if they would um, look at the book and say, oh, I don't like this, but it's like teaching kids, read the back of the book, read the title, read some of the book, check out the chapters. And yeah, um, I would always set that precedence as they had to read the whole book, do a book report of their choosing, and then tell me why they didn't like it. Because we know in life there are times that we're going to have to read things that we, we might, may not really want to read, but we read them anyway because, you know, sometimes in college how that is where you have to read a book and you don't really like it, but you have to be able to discuss it and back, your, back it up with, you know, reasons of why you didn't like it. So anyway, we know that reading is really good for the brain and there's some great uh, research called the science of reading. So we could talk about that at another point. So um, I want to go back to what you're talking about with your kids and the library and everything. So um, would you allow them to pick out their own books? You, you taught third grade. So would you allow them to pick out their own books at library time as a teacher? No, I did not let my students pick out their books. They always had to okay. pick out they always had to read the books that I chose for them. So that would set that precedence that I knew what was best as an adult. You know, if I took the kids to the store 
they would want to probably buy candy. It goes back to that food and analogy. Um, but of course, we know the candy and the junk food isn't always the best. So um, they, I already set the precedence. That was part of our procedure. And I even did it when I worked in fourth grade as well. So it didn't really matter what grade I was teaching. This was the procedure. I set the expectation. And at some point throughout the year, when the kiddos knew how to rank the books, when they knew, oh, this is literature, or this is a Newbery Medal nominee, or this is an award-winning book, or maybe this was like what I call, quote unquote, a junk book, then um, they, I would sort of, sort of give them a chance to pick out books as the year went on. Okay, interesting. So I, I remember you telling me about that my first year of teaching and I definitely did that with my first graders, you know, as well. And also, not only because I wanted them to be reading certain things, but also I knew what their level of reading was. And I knew that if they were picking out a book that was too easy for them. Yes. That's or right. something that wasn't going to offer them enough of a challenge. Because um, I think that, that that also is an important factor in it as well. Definitely. Uh, so... Well, let me let me expand on that a little bit since I have you right there, okay. if, if I may. Yeah. When you um, initially, the old way of picking out books for kids was that if they didn't know five words on the first page that you were reading, then it was too hard. But in all actuality, uh, a little bit of rigor is actually good for kids. If they can't read some of those words, it actually helps them build their context clues. And as we know, not only in comprehension, but even in testing scenarios, kiddos will be exposed to words that they don't know, and they need to be able to use the other words or their context clues in order to figure it out. So there's no more um, the old way was to stop and look the board up in the dictionary. Well, we don't do that. We don't tell kids that anymore. We have them push right. through it, use their context clues, use their inference, and it also helps build their schema. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that 100%. I mean, I know for sure that even, especially on the state uh, test that these kids take, that there are a lot of words that they're you know, that they might not know. Mm -hmm. So that is, uh, I agree with that 100%. Plus, you know, as a kid growing up and, you know, doing a lot of reading, there was definitely a lot of words I didn't know in these, in some of the books that I was reading, but I was determined to get through it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, but speaking on that, so as far as, so we talked about students and reading. What about your own kids? Uh, what are some good strategies to get kids, your own children, to read? So if I'm a parent, maybe I want to make sure that my kids have a love of reading. How do I instill that within them? Well, that's a good question because I think that the best way is to start at when they're young, of course. You want to start showing books and pictures and colors as newborns. And as they get a little bit older, when you put them on the floor to play, you include books with toys, mix them together. Um, throw some letters of the alphabet or some uh, bathtub books in the tub while the kids are, you know, enjoying their, their bath time. It's having those books, letters, words everywhere around the house, wherever you go, choose words that um, start to build kiddos in reading. And then, of course, well, let's say, let's say that. So I guess what I'm talking about more is like, let's say that I am a mom 
of an eight-year-old who is not a big reader, but I want them to be a reader. So like, I think that a lot of it's a lot of us focus on like these childhood things where, yeah, okay, we all know we're supposed to read the kids the book, but what about the kid who's eight years old and I want my eight-year-old to be able to read really well and I want them to have a love of reading and maybe I didn't do those things. Yeah, you know, what would be your suggestion? Well, yes. Um, actually, I had teachers, students, um, teachers, their own kids in my classroom, and they would challenge me to get their kids to read. So what I would do is I would entice them with uh, something that was a high interest for them. Um, maybe some kids, I remember one kid in particular, he only liked nonfiction, but I was able to introduce to him like historical fiction, and I would connect them with their characters. So I would read oh. with the kids or do read alouds. We always know when we stop reading, the kids are like, oh, keep going. So just that little bit of a, an anticipation kind of make it like a, a, it's still making it sort of like a game. So I would yeah. really stick to, I would read with them, sit next to them, have them read at home while you're doing um, the dishes, ask questions. Uh, while the kids are reading or after they read and and ask them, you know, what did you think about this part? Or if you were the character, what would you do? So if you're really involving kiddos and of course, ultimately seeing your child read yourself. So, and then talking about what you're reading um, on a level that they can comprehend. So I think those are some strategies that are really effective. And truth be told at the end of the year, the child was reading fiction just as much as he was reading nonfiction. So that I would call that was a win-win. Yeah, it's definitely a win. I know that, um, you know, for us growing up, um, one of the, the biggest things that stood out to me is um, when you put our names in, in for the characters in the books, you know, that was, and you did, you were reading aloud to us and um, you know, all three of us had our own character in the book. And that was also just like, that was so amazing. Like, I still can remember like the story. And I remember, you know, you reading it to us every single night. And so that's something that, um, you know, as a child, like I, I really enjoyed that. So I think that definitely that should be another, another little tidbit to put in there. Um, and that is something that I did with my kids too, with the Magic Tree House. Yeah. Remember when I was reading um, to Finn, the magic tree house with, um, uh, I used him and Totsie. So I'd say, oh, these are the Finn and Totsie books. And it was so funny because you know, he, he told his teacher, he's like, oh yeah, I've read all the magic tree house. Those are the Finn and Totsie books. And she's <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and he's like, oh, my mom, you know, <laughs> my, my name in there. <laughs> yeah. But you can already tell that he remembers. Yeah. Yeah. So that was another thing I, I really, really enjoyed as a kid. And I, I hope that my, you know, that Finn can enjoy that in the future as well. And I, you know, I think it's a part, I think another layer is even explaining to kids as you read, you have a medic cognitive process happening where you're asking right. yourself questions and that's completely normal. And it's completely normal to sometimes fade out into your own fantasy land as you're reading and then go back and reread it again. So books are like movies, you know, how many times have you seen Aladdin? I'm just mentioning an old movie, but how many times? Right. 10 times. Okay. That's what we do as readers. We read, we reread. I think you guys read um, Harry Potter at least five times each, right? 
each book at least five times each over your lifetime. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the books books back then used to come out so few and far between. You had to reread all of them to make sure you were up to date. <laughs> and, you know, I will say, like, every, every time I reread Harry Potter, I noticed something that I didn't notice before. Yeah. And I was like, how is it that this is my fourth time reading the book and I'm noticing something that I didn't <laughs> notice the first three times that I read it. Like, how weird. Right. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's 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 one of those things where, yeah, you are going to notice something different um, every single time. And, you know, one of the things that uh, I'm going to suggest is also listening to books. Yes. You know, we have, we live in this this day of, like, amazing digital everything you know like don't be afraid to listen to a book with your family instead of listening to the radio like in the car i mean i will preface this by saying we are all nerds like super nerds and my husband and i and my kids we listen to books in the car right because you know it's an it's an hour to, to costco uh when we've got to go so we're out there listening to books and it's, it's, um, but it's great. And it brings, you know, the family closer together. My son's like, oh, I can't wait to, to, for us to listen to the book again, you know? So. Wow. That's wonderful. You know, that segues into another point that I was going to make, you know, you guys always had books in the car, right? We always yeah. uh, had something um, easy that you could just reach for and, and read. Uh, I think it gives kids a really a good break from, you know, regular human life that can be stressful and it can actually be therapeutic to to read or to listen to books, especially as a family. You know, that it also connects with, you know, having less screen time and having less TV time, turning those those devices off. It creates a space where kids can truly engage in reading and uh, um, just enjoying, you know, that the fact that reading can occur anywhere it doesn't have to be a school thing. And that's definitely something that I talk to kiddos about. Like reading isn't just school. Reading is everywhere. So can you kind of talk to me about your experience, like, for example, with Harry Potter or even that great book called Holes? You know, is it better to watch the movie first or is it better to read the book first? I mean, I kind of already know, but if you could kind of talk about that. Well, I mean, I think everybody like would agree that it's always better to read the book. But you know what? Here's the thing. If you want to watch a really good movie, don't read the book first. You will suffer. Um, Go ahead and watch the movie and enjoy it if you're a movie watcher. Um, or if you want to enjoy the, the movie. Cause, because you know what? Like books, mess movies. It just, it's not the same. It isn't, is it? Like, no, like I, I mean, like the Harry, even the Harry Potter movies, I'm like, dang, people who have only watched these movies aren't going to know like half the information. Like you're missing whole parts because I mean, think about it. These books are so long, like you can't possibly fit it all in there. I mean, just like, you know, I was daydreaming. Um, uh, you know, I, of course I love Brandon Sanderson and I was daydreaming about The Way of Kings being a movie. And I was like, man, like that, it would have to be a show, first of all. Mm -hmm. It couldn't be a movie. It would have to be a show. And it would have to be like a really intricate show. Because like each of these books is like a thousand plus pages long. And 
Yeah. I I want all the information in there. You have to, you can't leave anything out. I want to see your rendition, but also I guess you have to take a step back and say, okay, is the movie, appreciate the movie for what it is as well. Yeah. But I digress because you know, that's, that is, I digress. (laughs) Yeah. So using a movie isn't, I always tell the kids don't watch the movie, just read the book. Because even like when you visualize your char- the characters, tell me about that, that part of it. And then you see it on a movie, how it's, you know, different. Do you know what I mean? Oh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously your imagination creates what you want it to see, right? Uh-huh. And like, you know, you might not imagine the characters the same way. But I mean, that, that also is the same reason why I won't listen to a lot of audiobooks. Um, I like, the voice in my head for that character. If I start reading a book, I'm definitely not going to go to the audiobook. Um, the only way that I go to an audiobook is if I start the audiobook. Yeah. Because I, it, it just creates too much in my brain for me. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I heard that you had a question today from a teacher. Yes, actually, I did. I had a question about um, from a teacher. She teaches second grade. And she just has a student that is constantly uh, bothering other kiddos, um, bullying other kids, hitting, um, destroying their property. And um, I mean, everything is just really a mess. So today he actually kicked another student and um, the teacher was just up in arms. She just really didn't know what to do. So is this something that is, do you know if this is something that's recent? Did she mention the timeline? Like, is it something that's recent or not? She said it was an ongoing. I asked her a couple of questions, little background information. You know, it, does he sit mm-hmm. separately from the other students? Ha- have you been communicating with the, with the mom? Is there any mom, dad, parent communication? Um, we went through a whole list of things and really there's pretty much no communication uh, we made a couple of suggestions like, how about putting tape on the carpet around his desk and say, this is your space. And you can make it sound like a positive thing. This is where you will be safe. This is where you won't interrupt my teaching or anyone else's learning. Um, so I right. did offer a couple of ideas. Why don't you tell me what your ideas are initially? Um, so, I mean, first point of contact, I mean, the parents need to be notified I mean, in this case, like I would definitely notify the parents on Class Dojo. Now, if you don't get a response on Class Dojo, you know, call the parent, email the parent, exhaust your ways of contacting them. If contacting through email or Class Dojo or phone calls fail, find out who picks the kid up from school. Uh, How do they get home? Yeah. Now, if they're walking home, then, you know, you might have to have the principal make a phone call or you might have to call from the office. Um, but if the kid is getting picked up by a parent, you know, which 90% of the kids are, you know, getting picked up, then, um, I would, you know, walk that kid out and talk to the parent because I mean, ignore, obviously ignoring the problem isn't gonna, isn't gonna fix it. And, you know, when the principal calls, there's always going to be a response, you know, most of the time. Yes. Um, so definitely trying calling, you know, I'm going to be really honest. I have called a parent from my cell phone before that way they could not see that it was the school because this parent was ignoring me. Mm -hmm. 
and you know wasn't trying to be shady but I really needed to talk to her right <laughs> and she answered the phone when I called um from my cell phone great I, you know just said you know this is um Miss Bretazzotti I'm calling from my cell phone I really wanted to talk about A, B, and C um so glad I got a hold of you I've been trying for so long yes um so you know, I know that everyone is really busy and we have to give, you know, parents grace because God only knows what they're having to go through with everything that's on their plate as well. But um, definitely, you know, contacting parents is a big one. Um, does she have, I would also suggest that she get a partner teacher where that kid can have a break from the classroom. Yes, definitely. Because like, if you think about it, it's April. Uh -huh. April is the month where kids decide that they're all of a sudden going to act up. And it's because it's almost the end of the school year, right. especially like after testing. Like the kids know like, oh, I have this test. I have this test. I have this test. Or maybe some of them don't know at all. And then after they have the test, they're like, I'm done. Right, right. Um, and they think school's out. And so out. it is kind of. Yeah, and it's kind of just like the roller coaster that everyone gets on for school. April is, it can be kind of a tough month because the kids know they're itching for summer. They're almost ready. But I would definitely um, suggest to her to get a partner teacher to give that child a, bit, a break from the classroom. Because if he's having problems with all the kids in the class, that also means that he probably doesn't have friends. Mm -hmm. Right. That also means that there's probably a slew of other things going on that maybe she hasn't noticed. Yeah. So, you know, check in with him. How are how are you feeling about school? Right. You know, who's your who's who do you like to play with at recess? Mm -hmm. Because kids react that way for a reason. And if he's being mean to everyone in class, you know, that's a red flag to me that says there's probably something else going on. There's probably another, an underlying problem that I, as the teacher, am not seeing. Um, and she needs to kind of take a step back from her, herself as a teacher to kind of examine her classroom. Right. To see what the trends are. Yeah. Because I bet you that there is something else happening. Oh, there especially is. Especially if he is if he is bothering everyone else right yes you know what i mean right that that's that's a big sign that there is some type of social thing going on um you know with that child right and you know even if you can't get a hold of a parent uh you know i've had meetings with kids before you know i i have my my uh, my door open of course um i have another teacher with me you know, and I have a meeting with the student, you know, tell me about what's happening in class. How is this making you feel? Um, you know, 90% of the time, I think that you're going to get a good response from students because, you know, they're going to be taken aback, first of all, that you're taking the time instead of oh, going right to discipline to asking them what's happening. Those all sound like great tips. Definitely. Yeah. So I, I would definitely, if I were her, I would, I would start there. And I, I hope that those, um, that those tips are helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if you're listening, I hope you're listening. Uh, please make sure to, you know, write us back, tell us what you tried, um, to see if we can figure out something that works for you. Yes, definitely. Thank you for all of that information and all of that with what you said is very relevant. I did uh, go on to tell her 
you know, I may actually asked her to make a couple of suggest, you know, to try a couple of strategies. And one in particular was to front load, you know, be before the uh -huh. child enters the room in the morning, um, what behavior are you, or is expected of a scholar? Uh, what sort of choices will you make and have him say it, even if it's prompting or even if he has to repeat what you say, then have him say what he or she is going to do. I'm going to make these choices or I'm going to do this procedure or whatnot. Um, another suggestion was for him to have like a smile chart. You know, if he did well, give himself a thumbs up. If he didn't do well, if he did okay, do an okay or a thumbs down and maybe even let um, on a paper, have it out like reading. Here's a thumbs up if you did well, thumbs down if you didn't do well, thumbs sideways if you did okay and actually let them highlight how they did during that reading period. I told, I suggested right. that she have the parent sign at the bottom. And I told her if the parent doesn't sign or if their parent doesn't respond, this is still data, right? This is right, still data. Right. So I said, let's work smarter than harder, make a, a bunch of copies of the, of the tracking chart, whatever you want to call it, put them in a folder, let the child take one out every day, at the end of the day, take it home, get it signed, maybe not get it signed, and bring it back and show him where he can actually do that himself. And that will slowly even build his own responsibility and maybe somehow make him feel like he is even in more control because he has to do these certain tasks to show that he is willing to um, cooperate and um, gauge what his choices are throughout the day. Right. Well, and this also, you know, it goes back to procedures too. Like you have, it is so important to have these procedures in place where students are responsible for their consequences and for their learning. Um, that's a precedence that I set. And I have set that with seventh graders, eighth graders, sixth graders, fourth graders, and first graders, where they were responsible for that, for their actions you know, and for their learning and for their consequences. So I think that that giving him that responsibility, uh, you know, might even empower him to actually take responsibility. You know what I mean? Like when you give a student and say, well, actually, this is this is for you. This is for you to monitor your own behavior. Mm -hmm. Right. And I want to see what you think about your about what your actions were. Right. At the end of the day. So I can see how how that um uh, would be very empowering and stuff. But um, I am so glad that we had these conversations today. And I hope that this was helpful for, you know, for teachers, for this, you know, I hope that it really helps that student out as well. Yes, definitely. Um, and thank you so much for being here with me today. Yes. I so enjoy our conversations. I know I do too. I just love that we are able to maybe even if we help one person, right? Like I'll exactly. say that that's a win. So, so make sure to uh, email us your questions at um, asktheteacherxyz at gmail.com. Again, that is asktheteacherxyz at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Um, please make sure to follow us on Spotify. And we are so excited to continue to bring you all the information that we know yes and check thank us thank you so much oh uh wait check us out on instagram right 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Instagram. Yes. Uh, check out our Insta. It's um, Ask the Teacher ABC. Yes. Um, and Ask the Teacher ABC podcast. So check us out. Spotify. Give us a like on Instagram. Follow us there. We will have daily tips for you as well as all kinds of other amazing things. And you'll get to see a cute little puppy every Thursday. Yes, thoughtful Thursdays. Please add to that. We can't wait to uh, meet up with you again. So thanks a lot. Thank you, everyone. All right. Bye-bye. We'll see you soon.